0: we get to be together, just a shout out to everyone at our Shepherdsville location and uh, at our South Louisville location, going to be a good time together. We are coming to the end of a series that we've been in called Dramatic, where we've been trying to find out how to have joy or how to keep joy in a world that has gone mad. What we've said each week is that it feels like, it may not be true, but it feels like that everybody's mad, like mad all the time, like just angry, offended, outraged, and it feels like there's more places to express your anger, and uh, there's just more drama. Somebody's upset, and and when we're surrounded by that, when we work in a place like that, when we live in a place like that, when we have family members like that, like how do we have joy? How do we keep our joy? How do we find joy uh, in in a world like that? How, How do we do that? And that's what we've been talking about, and we've been trying to just answer this question, is it possible, is it possible to live a drama-free life? And I believe that it is, And, and the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he believes that it is too, and so he's kind of been our guide through this series. We've been reading through and learning from the book of Philippians And the Apostle Paul wrote that, and and we've just been reading through that. It's one of his most famous books. It's one of uh, people's most favorite books because it's a book about joy, just four chapters long, over uh, 100 verses or so, and you you could probably read it in 15 minutes. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, It's not a a deep theological book. It's just a book about joy, how to have that joy and find that joy. And so we've been using that kind of as a map for us through this series. And uh, since we're kind of coming to the end of it, I thought we could just recap In case maybe this is your first time with us or you've been in and out this summer, uh, let's just kind of recap what we've learned so far through this series. The first week we talked about how to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And we talked about the pity parties that we throw and how easy and great those parties are. But what we've said that week is that the more I think about me, usually the worse I feel for me. The more sorry I feel for me. But that I feel joy and I find joy when I... When I feel more grateful for you, for the people that God's given me in my life, then I feel sorry for myself. If I could stop feeling sorry for myself and feel more grateful for you, uh, then, then something would probably change in my life. And then the second week, we talked about how to deal with difficult people. And, and we, we, we said, you know, we all deal with difficult people. We're surrounded by difficult people. But what we said that week, we just kind of made a commitment that, you know what, joy is my responsibility. Joy is my responsibility. It cannot be taken from me. I have to choose to give it away. So if there are people around me or in my life who cause me to lose my joy, it's not because they have a superpower. It's because I am choosing to hand them the keys to what's happening inside of me. Because what's happening inside of me cannot be taken by what's happening around me. I have to choose to give it away, so I'm going to choose joy. And then the third week we talked about how Maybe it's possible that we are the difficult people, right? We we said that, like maybe I'm the problem. I could be honest enough to say I need an attitude adjustment. Um, I'm noticing in my life the common denominator is me. Every job, drama. Every relationship, drama. Every neighborhood and apartment complex, drama. Maybe I'm the problem. And so we just talked about having an, an attitude adjustment. And what we said is I can't change you, but I can change my attitude. I can't change you, but I can change my attitude. And then last week, oh, how good was last week? Pastor Micah Pelkey was here with us, and he did an amazing job talking about letting go of your past. He challenged us with this question, what do we think about or use more, our our vision of our future or the memories of our past? And we can't have a a positive life with a negative mind. It was just so, so good. And so that brings us to today today this fifth part as we, as we get ready to end this series. And what, what I want to do is I want to talk about this idea of internal drama, internal drama, because we spent four weeks talking about everything happening around us, the people who are around us, the places we are, and that's important. There's drama all around us, but we would be crazy to talk about dramatic and not talk about or deal with the drama that is happening inside of us. We have to address the fact that usually what's happening in me is way more dramatic than anything that's happening around me. And and, and I, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me, that what's happening in me is way more dramatic than anything that you see from me. And so maybe you would admit that. Maybe you would admit that your imagination can be incredibly dramatic. I would be willing to bet, like me, you've probably had amazing fights and arguments in your head with people, and you were just amazing, like, at saying everything you wanted to say in the best way, and, like, you had these great one-liners that totally put them in their place, and, I mean, just, you're just like a, you're like a lawyer with a closing statement. I mean, it just perfectly makes sense, but you never say it out loud. Or maybe maybe you have imagined in great detail how to get even with someone that hurt you, wow. and if you're being honest, like it brings a smile to your face because <laughs> you're like that would be so good, and you just imagine every detail, but you never do anything. Even in like kind of a dark way, we would probably admit that we have imagined these terrible tragic deaths of people that we love. And where does that come from? I don't know. And. I never, I don't even I feel weird even saying it out loud, but like I've imagined like something happening to my spouse or something happening to my children. And the reason that is, is because what's happening inside of us is incredibly dramatic. Our imagination is incredibly dramatic, way more dramatic than than what we actually do. Our feelings and our thoughts are just crazy sometimes. How many people, let me see your hand, how many people would admit, like, yeah, if, if, if you knew what I was thinking half the time, you probably wouldn't want to be my friend? How many people would say, that's, that's true of me? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you knew what I was thinking, you wouldn't like me. I, I just, I don't know where it comes from. It's just in there. It's in there. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we quiet the voices in our head? How do we calm the chaos inside of us that's constantly swirling around in our minds? How do we stop imagining every worst-case scenario? How do we stop assuming the absolute worst about people and assuming the worst intentions? Here's a question. Is it possible to overcome worry and anxiety and fear In our life, to quiet those voices in our our minds that are making us afraid. Well, the Apostle Paul is going to answer those questions for us today. And just a heads up, in case you don't make it to the end, the answer is yes. He's going to say yes. It's possible to calm the chaotic, dramatic voices inside of us. But it's going to require that we stop listening to our emotions. It's going to require we stop listening to, to our emotions. And I'm paraphrasing because he's not going to use these words. So I'm paraphrasing. But Paul's going to tell us, don't believe the first thing you feel. Don't believe the first thing you feel because your emotions are dramatic and they don't always tell you the truth. Your emotions lie to you. We know this is true. Like I don't have to convince you of this. We know this is true that in a, in a split second, in a moment, in a millisecond, we can believe no one loves me. In a, in a, in a second, we can feel it and believe no one loves me. In a, in a, in a moment, we can believe we're not good at anything. I'm not good at anything. In a second, we can believe I'm never going to change. My life is never going to change. What about this one? In, in just a just a text just a scroll just a, everybody hates me everybody hates me that's what we feel we believe the first thing we feel everybody hates me what about when it gets incredibly dangerous and affects the people around us what about when we have those those feelings and those split second moments and we believe i need to leave my family what would be best is to leave my family to walk away from my family need to change jobs I'm quitting today. I'm not even I'm not even gonna write it. I'm just I'm just quitting. I walked in. I told him I quit. Right. Feeling like we're gonna die. I'm going to die. I feel it. There it is. I feel it. Oh my, I'm gonna die. Or, or the world's coming to an end. Or what about in a split second we can feel like what I need is a drink right now. In, in a split moment, just a, just a moment, we can say you know what what I need is to get back with him or to get back with her. I just need to hook up one more time. I, I feel this, and I believe the first thing I feel, and so my life is, is going crazy because what's happening inside of me is going crazy. You notice something that, I, that I've noticed? And this is kind of just, I'm just giving you like a general Jason life rule right here, so I don't know what this is worth. You can just value it later, all right? But I'm just gonna get. you a, just a general adjacent rule right here. And I've noticed this about lots of people. I've noticed this about myself. When you start saying we're thinking about, it almost always happens. We're thinking about selling the house maybe next year. That thing is on the market in four months. Right. We're thinking about having another baby. You're pregnant and like, yeah, you're probably pregnant, right? <laughs> we're thinking about changing churches. When somebody tells me that, we pray, we try to hope, but like, the reality is you're probably going, because what we mean when we say we're thinking is we feel like this is what we need to do. Very rarely do we mean we're 50-50, we're making a list of pros and cons. We mean, this is what I feel like I need to do, this, and, I, and I'm believing what I'm, what I'm feeling. Now, I want to be clear. I am not talking about eliminating emotion. God created us with emotion, and you wouldn't want to eliminate emotion, by the way, uh, we get to experience the highs and the lows of life. So I'm not talking about eliminating emotion. What I'm talking about is not believing the first thing your emotions tell you. Right. Good. Good. So Paul's advice is going to be to us, don't trust your thoughts. Don't trust your thoughts. As a matter of fact, I, I could say it like this. If we want to stop all the craziness and drama and fear that's happening inside of you, you need to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. You need to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. So why don't you just turn to the person you're sitting beside and just tell them, you need to talk to yourself more. Just tell them right now. You need to talk to yourself more. You're not talking to yourself enough. You need to talk to yourself more. That's what Paul's going to say. In essence, he's going, to, he, he's going to say, you have to tell yourself what to think because your thoughts are crazy. And I I think, I can only speak for me, I I can't speak for you, but I I feel like I know a lot of what you say, and to me, and what you're you're feeling, and I think if we had to pick one, and we could pick a hundred, but if we had to pick one, one thing that we listen to, one, one idea, one thought that, that, that is in, happening inside of us that's more damaging than any other thought, more damaging than any other thing that we could think or feel is this small little phrase, just two little words, small little phrase, and the phrase is, what if, what if, just that little phrase, just those two words, what if, can cause Our whole brain and heart and life to go crazy. To go crazy. What if I never amount to anything? What if my family, my my spouse leaves me? What if the house doesn't sell? What if we run out of money? What if I never get married? What if I'm never able to get pregnant? What if I'm never free from this addiction? What if I lose my job? What if I miss God's will? What if I get cancer? What if I die? What if Russia has access to all of my photos on my phone? (laughs) What if something terrible happens to my children? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What's crazy about what if is that you never stop and celebrate what didn't happen. You never have a, like, congratulations, that never happened party. It just expires, and you pick up another what if, and expires, and you pick up another what if. And we're spinning and spinning and spinning. And you never expected to be a fearful parent who's overprotective. I've never met uh, a first-time mom-to-be who says, you know what I want to be? An overprotective mom. I just want to be a helicopter parent. That's really what I want to be. That's not what we want to be. But have you watched the news, Jason? What choice do I have? Do you know how many diseases there are out there? Do you know how many creepers there are out there? Do you know how many criminals there are out there? I mean, what choice do I have? You never expected to to need medication to fall asleep, calm your heart rate, have a normal day. You never expected that. What choice do I have? You never expected to doubt your abilities or doubt yourself. I mean, you would say most of your life you were overconfident. Fear of failure was never a possibility, but now it's all you can think about. What if I don't live up to my potential? What if, what if I'm not enough? What if I don't make enough? What if I don't provide enough? And you can remember a time in your life maybe when you were carefree and fun and like kind of just go with it, you know, But that was so long ago, it feels like the memories are like a different person. And maybe you know when it happened. Maybe you know when fear and worry and anxiety and and chaos took over your brain and your heart. Maybe you know, or maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure when it happened. What do we do now? What do I do now, Jason? What do I do now, God? I don't know how to not think about it. I don't know how to not be afraid of it, not worry about it. What do I do? Can I do anything? And Paul, we're going to read it here together. Paul is going to say, good news, you can have peace. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of peace. I'm talking about the phrase Paul's going to use is peace that passes human understanding, peace that comes from God, God peace, God peace. We can have that, and he's going to tell us how. So there's a Bible uh, underneath the seat in front of you or in your seat. Hopefully you got a sermon guide as well, and you can, um, you can use that. There'll be some page numbers on there, and you can read along with us. I'd love for you to read along. We're, we're just going to read a few verses, not very many to, to, together. But I want to read Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 6, and then we're just going to read verse 9. So just four verses together, but so like a strong, these four a pack a punch. These are some great... Great four verses. Here's what it says. Philippians 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Can we just stop right there? And isn't that so annoying? Just right off the bat. Like, if you are a worrier, if you're afraid, if you're, like, isn't it just the most annoying thing in the world when somebody's like, oh, don't worry about it. Just relax. No big deal. It's like, I just want to punch you in the face. That's what I want to do, and you not worry about that. Okay, so don't worry about anything. It's like, that's where we're going with this? Jason, you're just going to tell me mind over matter? You're just going to tell me, you know, like that don't work. No, that's not what he's saying. Just let's keep going. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Just four short verses, but so much is said in in these in these verses. And so what I what I want to do for the time that we have left is I just I want to just out of these four verses, Paul gives us three very clear steps that we can take, choices that we can make, actions that we can do if we want to come the dramatic voices in our life. And so if you have that sermon guide, grab that, and uh, we'll we'll write some of these in together. But the first thing that we read there that Paul says, if you want to calm the dramatic voices in your life, the chaotic, fearful, worrying, anxious voices in your life, the first thing you have to do is you have to find time to pray. You have to find time to pray. He says it right there, verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This is a... This is a writing method, a writing style to kind of compare two things. The words anything and everything are there on purpose. He, he, he wanted us to, to put them together. Like, don't, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. And, and what's great about that is that if we're being honest, usually we kind of switch them. And we worry about everything, but we don't really pray about anything. Wow. And, and Paul says like, no, let's just switch those. Let's don't worry about anything and let's pray about everything. And I just love this idea of praying about everything, everything. What should I pray about? Everything. Wow. What, can I, what am I allowed to talk to God about? Everything. I mean, can I pray about, like, dumb stuff? Everything. Well, like my neighbor's dog keeps coming over to my yard, and it's really stressing me out. Pray about it. Pray about everything. Everything. Stop worrying about anything and pray about everything. This, this word worry it it, it's, it comes from an old english word that that literally means to strangle it's an amazing image word image this idea that like when we worry we are literally strangling the life out of us that life gets its grip on us and and we are consumed by worry maybe you would even say that like when i begin thinking about these things like i have trouble breathing i have trouble just i feel i feel choked and strangled and so he says I want you to pray about everything which is great but how do I what do I do how do I pray about everything and he tells us you just keep reading I mean just right through this he says tell God what you need am I allowed to tell God what I need Says yeah tell God what you need and, and then he says, thank him for all that he has done. It's this idea that I tell him what I need, I thank him for what I have. It's, it's request and gratitude, request and gratitude. Nothing breaks pity and, 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 and worry and fear. Off of your life, like gratitude, we talked about this, gratitude. So God, I'm worried about my kids, but I want to spend time thanking you for my kids. I'm worried about my job, but I want to spend time thanking you for my job. I'm worried about my house, but I want to thank you for my house. And as you begin to thank God, you begin to remember how good and how in control God has been in your life up to this point. And so he says, you're worrying about everything. You're not praying about anything. Let's don't worry about anything. Let's pray about everything. Go to God and tell him what you need. Pray until you have peace. That's what he says, have. And look, keep reading. He says, then... After you tell God what you need and after you thank Him for what He's done, then you will experience God's peace. In that moment, He's saying, He's going to give us two kind of timelines, in that moment you will experience peace. Like getting filled up at the gas station, like you're on empty, you put the gas in the tank, our heart is empty. We pray, we're filled with peace in that moment, but it gets better then his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus so when you pray you experience peace but when you get up from praying you leave with like peace security guards around your heart now scientists say we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day which is a lot okay and 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 so you leave with these security guards my mind's weird just go with me on this you leave with these like peace security guards around your heart like you like this is like secret service right and you're like really your heart's really important But like these thoughts, these fearful, anxious, chaotic thoughts are like bullets, and so like security guards are just dropping, right? And so eventually, you got to go back to pray, because in that moment, you need to be filled up with peace, but you need to get guards around that peace and go, and Andrea and I a couple years ago, I I think I've shared this, but Andrea and I a couple years ago, we were trying to sell a house that that we had owned for a while, we just didn't feel like it was going to sell, and... We were very, I I was imagining the most dramatic, like, like a tree's going to fall through there or like the government's going to knock on my door. It was just bizarre. I would lay in bed think like, I'm going to bankrupt my family. We're going to be homeless. I mean, just all this stuff because I I was worried a house wouldn't sell, right? And it always sounds stupid when you say it to other people, but when you're experiencing it, it sounds so legit. And, um, and... We were already living somewhere else, and I, I remember I would drive to work, and I would just be panicking about this, and the only way that I could have peace would be to drive my car over to that house, park in the driveway, stare at that thing that was causing me so much chaos in my mind, and just pray. God, I need you to help me get over this. I need peace. I need you to calm me. I need you to find a buyer. I need somebody who can qualify for a loan. God, I'm just telling you what I need here, God. And, but then I would thank God for everything else in my life that is happening And it would take me 10, 15 minutes, and then I would feel peace, and then I would leave like with my peace security guards, you know, and then like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it would cross my mind like, oh my God, what if it doesn't sell? And I would start being depleted again, and I would have to drive back over there and sit in that driveway and look at that house and say, God, I... I pray that you would help me to have peace, help me to sleep tonight. I'm going to stop worrying about this. This is ridiculous. I don't know why I feel this way, but God, I need you to help me. And I would pray until I would have peace. And then I would leave, and I would have these peace security guards around my heart, and I'd be going great. And then like 8 a.m. the next morning, I'm like, oh, my God. And I would have to go back, and I would have to pray again and pray again and pray again and pray again. That's what Paul's describing. When you start worrying, start praying. When you start panicking, start praying. And pray until you experience the peace of God. And then you're going to have some leftovers when you leave that prayer time. But then when you start feeling yourself feeling drained, start praying again. Pray, pray, pray. So, so Paul starts with prayer, which is where we have to start, because he's going to give us two more great pieces of advice. But if we don't start with prayer, then we're going to be looking to, to, to man, the world, to, to give us peace. And we, it can be helpful. There are doctors that can help us. There are prescriptions that can help us and all these things. But we want our first action to be to go to God. Because God is the ultimate peace. Jesus is the ultimate peace. So we start with God. We find the time to pray. But then let me give you this, this second one. Verse 8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Number two, find a good thought. So number one, we want to find the time to pray. If we're trying to calm the chaotic, dramatic, fearful, anxious voices in our, in our life. We want to find time to pray. But number two, we want to find a good thought. We want to find a good thought. He, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He gives us very specific things to search for. Thoughts that are true. Thoughts that are honorable. Thoughts that are right. Thoughts that are pure. Thoughts that are excellent. Right? He, he gives us these. But can we just be honest? It's hard to find a good thought. It's hard to find a good thought. As I was working on this, this sermon this week, I, just, I grabbed my phone. I opened up the, the news app. I love to read the news. I'm a news guy, and so I opened up the news app, and I just took a screenshot of the, the first seven headlines that filled my screen before I had to scroll. Just the first. This is national news. National news. I just grabbed a screenshot of that, and, and I just want to read a couple of these headlines to you. This is like national news. Apple News, first thing that they want me to know when I go to read what's happening in the world. Okay, let me just read a couple of these to you. Widespread, oppressive, and dangerous heat roast much of the U.S. through the weekend. Rising health insurance deductibles fuel middle-class anger and resentment. This one's nasty. Tick lodged on Kentucky man's eyeball made popping sound when doctor pulled it off. I don't know why that was number three, but that's where it was. Father of seven dies trying to save his children from being swept away by North Carolina waves. Studies suggest broken heart syndrome may be linked to cancer. I saw one today that says cleaning your house may pollute your lungs. I like that one, but I'm saying like... (laughs) It's really hard. It's hard to find a good thought. It's hard to find a good thought. Did you know that the the, the largest cause of death in, in America last year was heart disease. 30% of deaths, 30.2% was heart disease. The, the, the news, media, whatever, covered that 2.5% of the time. The news media, you know, anywhere where we're getting our information, they covered terrorism 35% of the time. Do you know how many people died from terrorism in the United States? 0.001%. I'm not telling you that because I'm anti-media. I love the news. I'm a podcast junkie, news junkie. I, I'm all about it. What I'm trying to tell you is, is unfortunately bad news makes more money than good news. And so it's hard to find a good thought. You got to fight for finding a good thought. You got to work to find a good thought. And, and so Paul gives us this list. He says, he says, fix your thoughts. Other translations say set your thoughts. And I like that idea of set because, you know, there are times when in my house I got to go set the thermostat. Like, I get to decide the temperature in the house, literally and metaphorically. I get to decide, I set the temperature in the house. And I love this idea that I get to set the thoughts in my head, this idea that my thoughts are probably broken, so I need to fix them. I get to set my thoughts. And, he's, and, and, and he gives us a whole list, and we could, we could go through this list. Like, if your thoughts aren't honorable, if you're thinking not honorable about somebody, you're not going to be in a good place. If it's not right, you're not going to be in a good place. If it's not pure, it's not going to be. Other. But I think the first one. Is really the most helpful for me. Think, set your thoughts on things that are true. And I think when we find ourselves swirling, dramatic, chaotic, fearful, anxious voices in our head and in our life, I think if we in that moment in some way could just stop and ask this question Is it true? Is it true? Is what I'm worried about right now true? Is what I'm afraid of right now true? I, I, I talked to several people this week just wanting to get their perspective on being afraid and anxious and all this stuff. And I was talking to one friend of mine, and, and he's, I asked him, I said, you know, what what are, what are some of your biggest worries? He said, just my children, my safety of my children. I said, so, like, describe that to me. Like, if you and I were out, like, at the park, you know, like, we got our kids, we're out of the park. He's like, all I would be able to think about is that somebody was going to kidnap them. All I can think about. I said, okay. Have your kids ever been taken? He said, no. I said, do you know anyone whose kids have ever been taken? He said, no. I said, have you heard any stories from anybody who knew anyone whose kids have ever been taken? He said, no. I said, so what causes you to believe that your kid is going to be taken? He said, when I hear you say all that, all I think is, oh, my God, my kid's going to be the first one to ever get taken. <laughs> I was like, all oh, right, you didn't really get the point of what I was trying to say. He's like, I know. <laughs> I talked to another person that said, uh, she said, you know, every day I wake up, I feel like I start the day pretty good. And then I get a text from a friend or I scroll through Facebook or something and i I see something and it's not that big a deal. I'm able to kind of push it off. But then like I go to clean my house that day and like I'm mopping the floor, I'm sweeping the floor, and all of a sudden it's like it's like a direct message to my brain, like I can't stop thinking about it. It just grows and grows and grows and grows. What if my husband leaves me? What if my well, so-and-so's husband left? And what what if my husband what if he's leaving me right now? What if he's got a separate family out there right now? He says he's going to work, but what if he's got a separate family out there and what what if what if he leaves and we don't have any money and I can't take care of the kids and what? And I said to her, I said, has your husband ever given you any reason to believe that he would want to leave you? No. Has he ever brought it up? Has there ever been a conversation? No. What factual evidence do you have? None. So I said, is it true? Now, of course, we are afraid of these things because there is some place and some time where these things have happened. But we... Allow them to dominate, and so we fix our thoughts on things that might happen, and we fix our thoughts on things that could happen, and we fix our things on terrible things that are possibilities, but we don't fix our, thing, our thoughts on things that are true. Is it true? Is it true that my child's healthy? Is it true that we have a job that pays the bills? Is it true that I'm in love? Is it, like, these are things that are true, I'm going to fix my thoughts on things that are true. Let me give you one more. If we want to calm the chaotic, dramatic voices in our head, we want to find time to pray, we want to find a good thought, let me me give you one one more. It's in verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9. This is what it says. It says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Not only do we need to find a time to pray and find a good thought, but we need to find an example to follow. This is something we don't talk about a lot. Maybe we should talk about it more. But I think maybe one of the greatest assets you can have in your life is a mentor or a role model who is not dramatic. The reality is that sometimes the people we follow make our lives more dramatic than if we didn't follow them at all. When it comes to social media, sometimes who we follow causes more insecurity or more judgment. But, but Paul says here, like, we're going to start with God. Let's pray to God. And then we're going to try to fix our thoughts because we, we got to tell ourselves what to think. We got to talk to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. But it also is very beneficial if you're able to have some people in your life out in front of you, some leaders, some role models, some mentors, who are out in front of you, who show you what a non-dramatic, crazy, fearful, worrying, anxious life looks like. So maybe you're a mom listening to this, watching this, and you would say, man, I just feel like I'm drowning, just always just overwhelmed. What if you were to find a mom with kids about your age, and maybe she's lying, but it just seems as if she's not always overwhelmed. And what if you took her to coffee and you said, listen, I really respect the way that at least it appears to me like you are a mom and you're not constantly overwhelmed and I just feel like I'm drowning. Could you help me? Like, what do you do? Like, what's, what's your, you know, what, what, do you, what do you do? What if you had a, a, someone that you could emulate that's life was not dramatic? If you're about to get married... Find a couple who has a marriage that you respect that it seems like that it's a non-dramatic marriage, and take them out to coffee or, or go to their house and be like, hey, listen, we really respect your marriage, and, and it seems like, and I know it's not perfect, but like, it seems like all these other marriages are like really crazy and dramatic. Why is yours not? do what they say. If you're a business owner here and like the weight of bills and the weight of employees and the weight of responsibility is just causing your brain to go crazy, go find a business owner who owns a business and it seems like that they're not losing it and be like, hey, can I just take you to coffee? Why are you not losing it? What are you doing? What's the secret? And listen, Because we're going to go to God and we're going to pray and we're going to tell ourselves what to think as best as we can. But it is so valuable to have someone in our life, a marker, someone out there in front of us that we can go, you know what, if they can be a mom and not be fearful all the time, I can be a mom who's not fearful all the time. If they can be a business owner who's not about to crumble all the time, I can be a business owner who's not about to crumble all the time. If they can be a husband and a wife that's not fighting all the time, I can have a marriage where we're not fighting all the time. I don't want to go to people who fuel the chaotic, dramatic voices that are happening in my head. I want to go to people who will help me to quiet those voices. When I begin to tell myself things that aren't true, I want somebody in my life who be like, that probably ain't true. I'm just really where I was like, well, that's not true. Well, my boss, whatever, probably not, you were probably in the wrong. I need people to help me. Because I tend to believe the first thing I feel. And my feelings lie to me. So let me just end, end this with, with this, this simple challenge. I think it's really help you. It really helped me. I just want to end with this simple challenge. I call it the ABCs of fear. The ABCs of fear. And this is, this is kind of how our brains tend to work when it comes to fear, worry, and anxiety. I think this will really help us. For most of us, typically what we do is we start when we assume. We assume something, right? Like we assume that, you know, we may lose our job. We assume that we're not going to stay married. We assume that the the country's going to come to an end. We assume, like, we just have all of these thoughts, and we're not totally bought in yet, but they're there. We just kind of assume something bad's going to happen, you know, whatever, but then the next thing that happens after we assume is lo- after long enough we begin to believe it. What you know, I, I don't, I don't. I started by saying it may happen. Now it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And it just, it's going to happen. They're going to leave me. Somebody's going to hurt them. I'm going to lose the, the business. Like it's going to happen. I was just thinking about it, but now I have, I have grabbed hold of it and I believe it's going to happen. And then the, the last thing that we do. See, as we confirm it, we confirm it. We go find information that confirms what we believe. See, told you. See, another husband left his wife, told you. Every guy does it. See, another kid out in North Dakota went missing, told you. See, see, I told you. Uh, the, the, The interest rates are going up, the economy's dipping. See, I told you. We look for information to confirm the beliefs that are swirling around in our heart and our mind. And so again, I just want to bring you back to what Paul said in that that second one we just challenged. I want to challenge you to fight the ABCs. And to fight for truth. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Am I making an assumption right now? Is this based on absolutely nothing? Am I believing a lie right now? Am I I confirming what I already thought, or am I getting other opinions or reading other ideas? Is it true? So maybe you would say, Jason, I've got these chaotic, dramatic, fearful, worrying, anxious voices happening on side of me. And I want peace. We've got to find a time to pray. We've got, we got to find a good thought, and we've got to find an example to follow. And Paul says we will experience a peace from God that passes human understanding. So with everybody, if you would just bow your heads, I'm going to pray for us in, in, in both locations If you would say, if you would say, Jason, I really need peace from God that passes human understanding, I would love to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out or anything. It's just going to be a prayer for you. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up both locations? You would just say, I'm really needing peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm really needing peace that passes human understanding. There's so many thoughts, so many voices, so many. Yeah. I just need peace. God, you saw every hand. You know every situation, every story. You know all the facts. You know all the lies the history, so God, I just pray you would help us to stop going to everyone else or stop only talking to ourselves or talking to other people and start talking to you. Start talking to you, God. Start fixing and setting our thoughts. Start finding an example to follow. And believing and trusting our lives in your hands. And that we could experience peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.